welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. So for a light-hearted take on Bristol's progress on and off the pitch this season, stay tuned. It's the season that doesn't stop giving. In this week's show, we review the wins over Leicester and London Irish that have landed Bristol Bears a place in the Premiership playoffs. We also give our thoughts on the positive COVID-19 tests at Sales Sharks and how this unfortunate situation has been handled by the powers that be. There's also our thoughts on the new travel wear range launched by the club on Thursday. Quality gear or more disappointment for the fans? All this and more on today's show. I'm Tony and this week I'm joined on the phone by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, what a what a day uh, and what a incredible week, really, for not only Bristol Bears, but for rugby in general. We're recording this. It's just after seven o'clock on Sunday evening, and we have just witnessed Bristol Bears win against London Irish and securing a place in the Premiership playoffs. Uh, guys, let me come for some quick reactions. Uh, Lee, your thoughts? Absolutely overwhelmed by today, mate. I mean, it's been a really historic day in the history of the club and um, very, very difficult to keep the, the emotions in check, really, to do the pod tonight because, um, you know, I, I do feel like just screaming, screaming my head off. But, yeah, what a day. And... Um, you know, to just top it all off at the end like that, it was, it was, uh, it was terrific, wasn't it? it really was. Uh, and Miles, how's things gone down in the mansion today? Some celebrations? Were there some champagne corks popping? Well, indeed. I mean, the, 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 the Mrs. Clark returned with some champagne just as the game kicked off. I had to calm her down a bit. I mean, what an emotional day! I mean, I sort of commented yesterday, didn't they, that all this debacle with COVID, etc., might dumbed down the last game day of the season but far from it I mean I was on the I was on the edge of my seat the whole London Irish game what a result I mean absolutely ecstatic fair play to Bristol job done and Pete I believe you you even stayed in Bristol this weekend to uh, to, to soak up the atmosphere for, for the final weekend well, it's, it's, that's right, Tony, but it's funny you use the word soak because <laughs> I actually brought a bit of uh, the South Devon coast to our house this weekend, came home on Friday to find that the missus, Mrs Bristol Saint, had hired a hot tub for the weekend. <laughs> so, uh, mate, guess where I'm sitting now? <laughs> You're not. <laughs> oh my God! I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't think the listeners could cope with that. But no, going to yeah. So straight after the game, I I celebrated with a a little dip in the hot tub with the bubbles on and a beer in my hand, um, and then celebrate that way. So it felt just like the summer holidays again. And and um, your highness Miles had been very kind to. Uh, lend me his gazebo because obviously it rained most of the weekend but we had it over the hot tub so yeah what a great way to celebrate a very dramatic end to a game absolutely well we'll we'll come on to that london irish game in a minute but of course this was a uh, two games this week the first being on wednesday night at a soggy ashton gate and bristol won uh, 40 points to three against Leicester. Uh, let, let me come to you first, Lee. Um, your your kind of overall thoughts on, on that performance on Wednesday night? Well, I'll be honest, uh, Tone. I mean, we, we know that it was, um, you know, it was a young 
uh, Leicester Tigers side that Borthwick had put out. Um, but I was I was disappointed actually in their kind of in Leicester's lack of ambition because um, you know nothing to play for. I thought they you know with the with the youngsters out they would have at least given it a go. But um, it was a very very controlled performance by Bristol, um, very unbristol like. Um, the weather, as you said, was was atrocious, wasn't it? So there was a a lot of handling errors. Uh, even the great man Stephen Luatua himself had dropped the ball at one point. So that just goes to show how bad it was. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that you know I know you can't really complain about a, a forty points to three um, victory over Leicester, but um, I just you know I just felt it was um, we we did what we needed to do, but. Bit, bit disappointing from Tigers' side, really. And Pete, your your thoughts again? It was a, a bit of a, a slow, sloppy start by Bristol. I, I know the conditions weren't weren't great, uh, but but how, how how did you sum up the uh, the game? Well, to be honest, Tony, I didn't watch it. What? A parents' evening. <laughs> yeah. So I had a parents' evening that went on from four thirty to seven o'clock, and of course, I had thought to myself, "That's all right." I'll rush home. I'll be able to watch the game at seven forty-five, and forgot that it's it's it started at about half past five, didn't it? So all I did, Tone, was I, I saw all your WhatsApp messages and thought, well, I don't know if I'm even going to bother to watch the highlights. Um, but in yeah, but actually, having watched the, uh, the highlights briefly, yeah, it, it looked a bit of a disappointing game, like Lee said. Um, yeah, again, but how it's a bit ironic that we can be disappointed with a bonus point win. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was perhaps a, one of those games that we just file away as job done, and, and obviously set us up for for the rest of the week. And, and Miles, I think um, I think we were was it seven three up after about twenty five minutes. Looked looked quite comfortable, but um, then like we've done so many times this season, just that that last kind of sixty minutes, we we exploded through the gears. Um, any any performances in particular that stood out for you from the Bristol team? Um, yeah, I mean I've written down one. I mean obviously to come on and start, I thought Johan Lloyd had a fantastic game. I mean their number ten was by far their best player on the pitch. I, I, I think his name is that Henry. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was firing up the up and unders, left, right, and centre, knowing that under the high ball we we may suffer. But Johan Lloyd had. I think it's super glue on his hands. He caught every ball, made some great runs, obviously did a fantastic dummy and a try. I mean, in, in the terrible conditions, he looked brilliant. Um, yeah, well, well done to him. Yeah, and one, one player that uh, I thought absolutely stood out, in fact, I'd go as far as to say I think it might well have been his best performance in a Bristol Bears shirt, was Jan Thomas. Uh, I, I thought he had an immense game on, on Wednesday night. Uh, and the fact that, you know, he gave it his all for whatever it was, 55, 60 minutes, got subbed off. Uh, and then, of course, Max Laheef had the, the calf injury. He came on and then um, had to switch sides of the scrum later on as well. Um, I just thought an absolutely outstanding performance. Lee, one person I'm interested in to, to hear your view was um, uh, making his home debut is uh, our winger Adeloken. Um, a mixed performance, would you say? Uh, without being too critical, Tone, I don't think it was that mixed. Um, I didn't think he had his best day at the office. Um, you know, when he's got the ball in hand, I think that he's he's a threat going forward. Um, 
but I wouldn't. You know, I, I know he's just joined, and I know that he needs to to get up to pace. But I don't know if he would be someone that we would retain at the end of the season. If I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, certainly every time the ball went up, uh, uh, up, and uh, he was underneath it, he, he he looked a bit shaky. But I did think, you know, there was a real turn of pace, and uh, going forwards uh, looked quite a threat. But I think you're right. The way this uh, this squad is building, whether there'll be a long term place for him, I think that's that's quite questionable. So a fantastic win for the Bears. You know, let's not forget this is Leicester Tigers. Um, yes, it wasn't their first team, but a forty points to three win which set things up nicely for Super Sunday where all Premiership games were going to kick off at three o'clock and you know we were uh, gunning for the five points and then hoping maybe one of our rivals would slip up but of course it all changed didn't it all changed when the the team announcements were delayed on Friday uh, for 24 hours which I think people thought was a bit strange and then we found out about the sales situation which we will talk about in more detail a little later in the show but you know London Irish um, away at uh, the stoop not the easiest places to go and Pete uh, your your overall thoughts on today's game and uh, again maybe ha- how we started in that that first fifteen twenty minutes. Well, it was it was almost like an opposite game for us because um, I thought we 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 were we had a very very controlled first half. We kicked a little a lot more than we have done. Um, got a bit of territory, had possession. Made a few mistakes, but you know, a couple of tries, uh, and we were cruising quite nicely. And um, to be honest, I, I was thinking this is this is kind of what I, what we want. We want a, a nice control, and then we'll bring on the the system players, and we'll we'll the game will get a bit looser in the second half, and we'll we'll run in some more tries. And then of course it was like completely opposite of the second half. Um, from the moment that Max Mallins kind of dropped the ball over the try uh, in the try line to about the last five minutes, it was incredibly stressful. And we never quite sure. I, we always knew we were going to win, but it was you know chasing that that bonus point try became quite a stressful thing. So it was all—it was almost like we kind of did the reverse that we normally do. Um, so, yeah, but but ultimately, uh, now I look, you know, I look back, I think, what was I stressed about? You know, we scored five tries. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, a, it was a slightly odd, odd sort of, it was odd being so calm in the first half. And, Miles, your thoughts, and maybe in particular that Max Malin's, uh, the try that wasn't, do, do you think Pat might have had a quiet word with him at halftime? Uh, I think more than a quiet word. I mean, I think he might have gotten absolutely roasting at halftime. It was, it was clear. I think it was pretty clear for everyone to see, wasn't it? He tried to switch hands to tap it down as close to the post as possible, and then he almost looked at his hands in disbelief, didn't he, <laughs> when he dropped it, as if to say, "How did that happen?" It's, it's a bit wet. I mean, you know, it was slightly embarrassing. He realised he's, he's made an absolute booby. He looked, he looked a right idiot. And um, fair play. I mean, up to then, his kicking had been fantastic out of hand. You know, we got the three points, and yeah, it, it's a good job we got the five points in the end because we could have rude that rude that miss there. <laughs> did did, um, did Mallins even go into the change room at half-time? That's a question. You know, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I saw him going all the opposite direction and hiding behind one of the um, advertising hoardings. Him and, and then, well, I think he went... 
he went and had a little uh, sit down with Tom Homer <laughs> from London Irish, who, if yeah. you remember rightly, uh, did the same thing for when he was Indeed. playing for Bath. But I, so, I, I yeah. mean, sorry, go on, go on, uh, Miles. I mean, I mean, fair play. I mean, other than his little boobie, you know what? I thought he played fantastically before Sheedy came on. I mean, you could, his length of kick out of hand was fantastic. He didn't miss a kick at the post, did he? Um, so I think fair play. He, he played exceptionally well, Malins, apart from the, the little boo-boo. So but we'll let him off as we as we got the five points. And, and, and I think I think he's really settled into the team as well. So much show that you know he feel he took it on his own shoulders to uh, keep up the run of games with us hitting the post, didn't he? Um, <laughs> as he, yeah. he as he ricocheted one off in true Callum Sheedy style. Uh, Lee, Lee, your your thoughts on the performance and. Uh, the people that stood out for you well first of all i just want to say that you've just put me to the post there Tony, yeah. that was exactly exactly what i was gonna say with the uh with the, the shaving off the post um do you know what i i completely agree i mean pete came around to my house and um you know we almost it was it was so composed it was so unbristol like there i say it and i mean we almost had a cigar on in the first half thinking this is this is done and dusted, and then um, and then obviously with with Malin's you know having, having dropping the ball, it was like uh, okay, but that's okay because you know we'll get the third try just you know just as soon as you know probably you know just before half time, and then in the second half we were doing exactly what we normally do. We were both stood up and we were on the edge of our seats, and it was it was back to typical Bristol again, and. And I have to, I have to say, at one point, I was thinking when we were making again a lot of errors, and I was thinking, are we gonna blow this for ourselves now? You know, and and I mean, because we've done it so often, haven't we? And it's almost like they can let us have one game where we can smoke the cigar all the way through it and enjoy it, as to be edge of the seat stuff at some point, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. That's. I think that's the story of the season, isn't it? That we we, it I, we either sl- start slow and then claw our way into the game, or, or or you know get get a lead and then sit back and in, in, invite others to come on. But I did wonder whether that was going to be a turning point. You know uh, that mm. that that mistry because. Like you boys, I thought we'd come out in the second half, score an early try, and it w- it would be pretty run of the mill. But oh, what was it about seventy six, seventy seven minutes Seven, until we yeah, yeah. And, until we yeah. got the the bonus point try? And I did think as well the the ref was very quick to award the uh, the penalty oh, try. It was, um, yeah. and I mean I, he, he had warned them a couple of times in the first half, though, hadn't he? But actually, in the second half, there was no warnings at all, and, and it, it did seem quite quite uh, harsh. And it was almost like the Chiefs game, you know, down at the gate. Um, you know, just out of nowhere, wasn't it? It was given. But um, I'm not. I'm not complaining, Tony. Are you? I I certainly am not. And <laughs> I I think the, the 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 other thing that is pleasing um, is to um, see a, we we've come through without any um, any major injuries again. Yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm touching wood as I say this. We we have been so lucky this season to have avoided you know uh, injuries and let's let's hope for the the next three weeks that 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 will be the case. Um, so can I can yeah. I just add one thing? It was just a thing that just struck me is that um, it was something in the commentary in the second half 
that where they said that you know Bristol are full of invention, and and we did. There was amazing bits of um, passages of play where we had you know great running lines and and uh, you know off back uh, you know no look passes and out of the back of the hand. But we always then seemed to make a mistake, or it never quite we didn't quite pop it up and and so on. And it got me thinking that you know we don't invention is great. But if you don't actually like have a product at the end of it, it is incredibly frustrating. And ironically, it wasn't invention that got us through in the end. It was the old fashioned right. stick it up our jumper and, uh, you know, a couple of driving malls and a penalty try. And, and, and it was slightly ironic, I thought, that that was really in the end was what saw us through uh, rather than a lot of our invention. But I did say to Lee that, you know, we always say this, but one of these days, if we if we don't drop the ball every time we just about get to the line after a massive break, we are going to absolutely hammer somebody. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just slightly ironic that it I was mean, in the end. It was give it yeah. to the forwards and they'll do the job for us. I mean, Pete, talking of inventions, why did we invent the fact that we could uh, drive in wall from the halfway line <laughs> and expect to get a try? <laughs> Well, it was just odd, wasn't it? A couple of occasions we commented, didn't we? We did this massive driving ball uh, for about like 40 metres. I got nothing and then just dropped the ball, didn't we? No. I mean, but, you know, but how, ref- how refreshing was it, though, to, to win a game like that, like Pete's just said, exactly. the forwards going over old school? Well, I mean, am I right in that in in four out of our five tries were from a driving ball? Yeah, um, that's Exeter style, isn't it? Well, obviously we're not as boring as them, but fair play. We had our set piece sorted today in the end. I, I think yeah, that's we what, certainly mixed it. I think that's one of the things that's really stood out for me. Actually, certainly since we've come back after the lockdown, is. Our, our ability with driving malls um, when we get into into that kind of red zone. And I thought, think I saw a stat before this weekend's games that we've scored more tries from driving malls than any other, uh, any other team. Uh, and it's wow. certainly, I think, something that we, we've added to our armoury. And I think that's the problem that opponents now face with Bristol. Um, you know, if, if you shut down our exciting running game and our backs, um, you know, we've got a forward pack that, uh, you know, if they get within 10 metres of your line, um, we, we are converting that territory into points, which which may be something that we haven't seen uh, in recent years. But, uh, you know, a, a fantastic, a fantastic day. Like you said, boys, we were all biting our nails, waiting for that um, uh, fourth bonus point try to come in. Uh, then we secured that. And as if by magic, what did we see flash up on the screen? Saracens, 17. Bath, 17. Um, Crazy. uh, The result that I'm sure every Bristol fan was hoping for um, to make sure that we we get through to the playoffs. And, um, you know, Saracens had been behind in that game all the way through until that point. So... um, you know the jubilation just kicked in. And did you see Nathan Hughes on the telly when he saw? Um, I think there was a picture of him um, and Pat and the the rest of the coaching team were looking, obviously yeah. at the laptops and could see either the game or the score. And, and Hughesy went mad. Did he? Well, I mean, me and Pete had written those other scores off because you know we were so we were concentrating on the Bristol game so much that, that we'd already said like Bath are winning by miles and Wasp were already clear. We, we, it wasn't even part of the equation for us. Um, 
And then when we yeah. saw the score bounce up, we were like, what? What is that? 17 what? all? It was crazy. It was, like we were, it was like we were saying in the first half, we were playing so well that the only stressful thing was when the scores kept coming in from the other games. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, it all turned on its head in that last few minutes. It was, I, even I mean, I've got to say, though, even then, I still thought, oh, they'll nick a penalty and it might yeah, be the first yeah. ever drop goal of the season or something. But um, no, it wasn't to be. I mean, Pete and Lee, I mean, there was one person in this podcast who must be ecstatic more than anyone else that we made the top four. I mean, I'm just trying to remember the prediction last week about whether we would make it or not. Can you, can you just remind us? <laughs> I, can, I can remember. Yeah. Was, it, was, it right in, was, was I right in saying that someone said we might miss out? I think it was, yeah. So it was a certain Tony Cox. <laughs> it, it, it was a certain Tony Cox. Um, um, fair play, fair play. I, 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 I could see a situation where everybody won this weekend and uh, clearly with Bath's draw that, uh, you know, that didn't yeah, come to I pass. Think, I think we all could. I mean, we all, fair play, Tony, we all knew that it was probably down to that bath result that was going to get us past the line there. Good on Saris, you know, despite the, the doom and gloom and being relegated, sort of job half done, but yeah. Well, I think we we do we do owe Saris a great great debt of gratitude, really, because not only have they have they lent us to uh, two absolute superstars who have been a massive part of our uh, journey going forward towards the end of the season, but also to do that against Bath today. I mean, you know, full credit to them. I mean. You know, we've got all the hands up. We, you know, the the whole um, the cheating debacle. We've slated them for that, and rightly so. But you know, they've they've really, really helped us out. Haven't they? We're earlier on in the season saying that all um, Saracens' results should be null and voided. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we said that. I'm sure Miles said that at some point. Uh, I can't remember that episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to go back and edit that one out. Well, let, let's have a look at the other scores. Um, I mean, yeah. I think people almost forgot Leicester were playing Quinns and uh, that ended up with a 32-26 away victory for Quinns. And what a terrible season for Leicester. And um, if, if, if Saracens had just had their original penalty... Um, Leicester would have been relegated. So, um, you know, there's a huge rebuilding job there at Leicester. Um, then we had Wasps 46, Exeter, well, seconds. I say seconds, but um, I think they blooded a, a lot of youngsters there, five. Um, so just yeah, let me let me come to you, Pete. Um, you know, Exeter and uh, Rob Baxter have said they've earned the right to play whatever team they like in these last couple of games. Um, but but do you do you feel it's right that such a weakened Exeter team was put out um, on on the final game of the season when you know these playoff places are at stake? Well, it's a, it's a dilemma. It's a difficult one, that Tony, because I I think in some ways yes, they've got a, a Champions Cup final to come. They've got you know, a semi-final and a potentially a, you know, a premiership final. You know, they they've got a lot to play for, and they didn't really need to do anything today. But it does call into question a little bit the integrity of the competition. That on the final day, when it is so supposed to be a big competitive day, that that it was a bit of a damp squib. So I, I'm kind of on the on the on the um, on the fence on this one because clearly their priority is is uh, the. the semi and the final and the other final 
But yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it was a bit disappointing. But there you go. Well, we haven't really talked too much about it yet, but let's get the goat to end all goats um, out of the way. What's got our goat this week has to be that sale announcement that 19 of their players tested players and staff um, tested positive for COVID-19 but then somehow the game is still going ahead with Worcester um, and it was postponed to Wednesday Lee let me let me come to you first what what how do you feel about this whole situation well I think that first of all I mean it, this was a shambles from the beginning because obviously the, the first we heard about was the delaying of, of the squads, wasn't it? The, the team, the team news, um, and then it very quickly went from that to uh, the, the leaking that you know the cell players had tested uh, positive, and to be honest, the the lack of leadership um, from Premiership Rugby was was absolutely stunning for me because there was there was nothing clear coming out to, to suggest what was going to happen um and then there was loads of things bouncing all around the place and i just think that i mean obviously in our column in the in the post tomorrow you you'll get my my complete views on it but um i think it was just another shambles in in an already shambolic season and I just think that those games should have all been played at the same time on the same day, whether it had been Sunday or Wednesday. Um, but they should have all taken place at the same time. And, you know, then you would still have the fairness. Whereas now we still don't know if so are going to get a result. And obviously, again, now Worcester don't have anything to play for, do they? Unless they win, was it 91 nil? Um, no, no, Worcester, you know, Worcester are out now. Absolute nothing to play for. Gloucester. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so obviously we we don't know what's going to happen. But I just thought the whole thing was just a complete shambles. Miles, let let, let, let me come to you. Of course, the the, the knock on has been that um, uh, Gloucester got awarded the game against Northampton Saints today, twenty nil, as per the guidelines, the rules that were agreed once we came back from lockdown. Saints unable to field a team because they've put the you know the the well being incorrectly of their players and staff uh, by isolating the players that that played against Sale uh, in in midweek. So they've had to forfeit the game. Gloucester get um, a a 5.20-0 victory, which meant that Worcester's outside shot of uh, a Champions Cup place, remembering that eighth is good enough this season for the the, the new format. Um, So they now have no incentive on that trip up to play Sale. How, how do you see that? And I'm, I'm particularly interested to hear your views as well on, you know, um, what, what kind of team will Worcester put out now? Um, well, I mean, going on from uh, from what Lou said, this is an absolute debacle, isn't it, really? I mean, Tony, you're in PR, and this has probably got to be the worst PR weekend in Premiership Rugby's history, potentially. And, and I do feel sorry. I mean, I, I think we were all enraged on Friday. I think we're going from a moment of sort of Half elation, the fact that we thought that Sale were going to forfeit the match and that's us through, to then finding out the match was going to be on, it was postponed, 
and, and I feel so sorry for that um, for Worcester. Um, you're right. The fact that they've got to go up all the way up to Manchester now, um, really play for absolutely nothing apart from a bit of pride. And you know, as a result, then you know, I, I think really that it's a bit up in the air, isn't it, as to whether sort of. Um, Bath or us, are we going to finish? Well, they can't make it. We're going to finish at fourth or third, etc. Um, yeah, I mean, um, a bit rubbish for Worcester, to be honest with you. I mean, we understand, don't we, that they insisted on secondary testing, and rightly so. I mean, they do not want their players affected by COVID. Um, uh, and but you do feel like, yeah, what's the point in getting on a coach on Wednesday, other than just to fulfil? PRL's glory of getting the season done and dusted, really. And like Pete said, it maybe this has just come down to a money thing other than anything else. So a bad, a bad day in rugby, I'd say. And Pete, Tony, can I can oh, I just add some? Can I just add something to this? Because I'm sticking my neck out on the line a little bit here, but it has been suggested as well that the cell players had gone out um, after the Premiership Cup final win and done a little bit more celebrating than they possibly should have done. And there, there is a suggestion that we might, this scenario might have occurred from that particular uh, situation. So I'm just putting that out there. I didn't know if you guys had, had heard any of these, um, these rumours, but 19 players and staff, that's, that's, that's a lot. I mean, these guys get tested, what, two, two three times a week? Well, let's, um, yeah, absolutely. There's been allegations on social media, hasn't there, that um, the the squad went out and celebrated at I think it, at their clubhouse um, after the Premiership Cup win. win uh, when was that? That was that was last week. Um, well, the, you know, there's going to be a full investigation, and um, it was interesting to hear Rob Baxter. Um, the Exeter director of rugby talking before their game. Uh, and the first question he was asked was, because uh, he came out earlier in the week saying, oh, actually, we should ease off on the testing now because it's proving, um, uh, yeah. you know, that there's very few tests. Yeah. And he, he, he held his hands up with a smile and say, I'm not going to talk anymore about testing. I've learned my lesson. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to shut up. But, but something has gone really, really wrong here because, you know, all through COVID, the teams have had the odd one or two people that have uh, tested positive. To go from that to all of a sudden in one week there being 19, something yeah. has happened really, really wrong. And let me come to Pete, because Pete, what, what, what do you think the consequences should be? What, what, what do you think will happen and what do you think the consequences should be for, for sale? Well, there is, there is a review, isn't there, an audit, they're saying tomorrow, where they're actually going to be auditing sales protocols as far as i understand which makes me think that lee's point about something's gone a bit awry is may well be on the agenda and, and so if there is if if sale i guess has been seen to a broken protocol then i imagine that they that game might get forfeited um and therefore uh bath will stay the fourth or whatever and, and so we'll get it so I agree with you. And I, what I don't understand about this whole thing, I've got to say, and then there are massive consequences because if 19 people, let's say, or whatever it is, in the club have tested positive, they're not in a bubble. They're not in like they're not being isolated from their families and real life. So I'm under the impression that if somebody, if you are in close proximity to somebody who 
has been tested for for COVID, you have to self-isolate for two weeks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my example is at school, we've had a whole of our year 10s have been off. They're still off until next Thursday because uh, one person tested, one student tested positive immediately uh, because they were in a bubble, as in they were a year group, which is kind of like a team, they were all sent home, no question about it, to stay at home for two weeks. And these, these, these kids haven't been able to go out the weekend, two weekends they've had to stay home. So I don't, that's what I don't understand is, is why it's wrong to it. They shouldn't be playing because yeah. they should, even if they, the ones that haven't tested positive surely got to be self-isolating. I thought that was the, mm. I thought that was the rules. Uh, and yeah. it, it just, I just don't understand it. So the consequences are wider than just this game of rugby. It's kind of, hang on a minute, Again, it's this like, are there different rules for different people? We're all sat in some sort of quasi lockdown, and and you know having to and there are you know people like just my students for example have have been you know their lives have been turned upside down a little bit. But why is it not the same? So it's a, it's a very strange and situation. And that's that's I couldn't agree more, Pete. And the, the thing is, how would that affect if Cell were allowed to play this game on Wednesday? How does that? the 14-day quarantine, how does that affect everything there? Because then the, semi, the, the playoff semi-finals, surely that gets knocked onto that game. Uh, absolutely. You, do you see what... uh, absolutely. They're two weeks and that would cover this game um, ah. and, and then the playoff semi-final. And the thing that I find uh, unbelievable is, is how Sale could muster a 23-man squad to play this game um, they they they've got a mysterious B squad that doesn't train with the first team, um, yeah. or you know, or are these the Colts and Junior Academy kids that are going to make up this twenty three? And then you've got to look at player welfare. Can you really throw people that have never played top flight rugby uh, into a t- you know? Yes, you can introduce the odd one or two. But if you were going to introduce 14 or 15, surely there's a, a player welfare issue there when you're coming up against a hardened premiership squad like Worcester. 100%. This happened with Bolton Wanderers earlier in the season with football, didn't it? That they, yes. they had yeah. to forfeit a game because, you know, because they weren't getting paid or whatever. Or whatever. They, they put out a team, didn't they? And they were kids and they, yeah. they ended up not playing it because of that reason. So I, do you know what? It's a, a slightly cynic in me. I think I might have mentioned this. But there's quite a lot of stake, isn't there, in this top four? I think it's more than just chance of final. I think there are bonuses available for players and staff at the various clubs. Right. And I assume that um, Premier Rugby, uh, as BT, have, have, have kind of have paid money for these games. And because it, it also seems totally a lot, you know, this situation, it's like, why just not knock them on the head? Exeter won it by miles. You know, just finish where you finish is where you finish. All of these people were all in the Champions Cup. What is the imperative? Because the, the whole point of this was a kind of jamboree for the fans to have a bit of excitement at the end of the season. Big, and uh, you know, it's, it's costing the clubs money. I imagine to run these games. Well, I, so think... I just think there's a there's a weird. You know, I don't know. I'm being cynical, but there's a, there's there's other forces beyond. And I, I find it difficult when. Premier Rugby put a statement out saying our only priority is safety and welfare. And I think, whoa, I'm not sure about that. No, absolutely. I mean, the the, the, the semi-finals and the finals uh, were, were going to be played. That's the structure of the season. But, um, you know, and whether Sale were in it or not, there'd be four, four teams to compete. 
you know, the whole question of the midweek games right from the very start, you know, player safety hasn't been at the forefront. It's been fulfilling uh, a commitment to um, get 22 rounds on TV plus plus the playoffs. And I think the thing that annoys me as well, that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is one of 22 league games. And why is it so special, more special? You know, do they get any more yeah. points for the last game of the season? No, of course they don't. And you look at, was it Castre um, in the yeah. quarterfinal? Castre. 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 Thank, thank you, yeah. Maestro. Um, uh, they had three covid Cases uh, and they had to forfeit that quarter final, a quarter final of a knockout competition. Um, but Sale with nineteen, um, they they have been allowed to to retest and maybe field a second or third string. And let's face it, you know. If by some chance they get through, they're going to play this on Wednesday and a semi-final away on Saturday against the likes of Exeter or Wasps. Um, Just ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous. I think Premiership Rugby should hold its head in shame. It has been a complete farce this week. I agree, Janet. Say what you mean, Say what you mean. You do feel like, lads, that there might be quite a few legal challenges after this little investigation, don't you? Because the likes of Worcester and the competitions who haven't been able to get into the Champions Cup, there's a massive consequence for them, isn't it? You'd think more so than just, yeah. just reaching the top four. So we haven't heard the end of this, have we? And certainly haven't a few lawyers are going to make a... a Bit of, a bit of a packet from this debacle, yeah. I, I think that's a really um, good point, Miles, because you think if, if somehow Worcester do win and knock Bath out, um, you know, you can see the legal challenges there. And Worcester, let's, you know, we've got a lot of time for Worcester as a, as a rugby club. You know, they, 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 they're not a top half team traditionally, historically. And to have this opportunity in the last game of the season to maybe for one season get in the Champions Cup and then have it taken away from them through uh, no fault of their own, really, really is tough. Um, it will be sad, also, sad for rugby. Also, Tony, Worcester are one of the teams that are perilously close financially to being bankrupt here. Yeah. And we, we mustn't forget that. That is a massive importance. And that extra money for getting that last Champions uh, uh, League spot, that that could be that could result in them staying in business or going out of business and the last thing we want is we've already said this on previous podcasts but you know the last thing we want is to start losing teams from our league now because you know we're already at crisis point and and that losing that place for them could be absolutely disastrous for Worcester Warriors Absolutely. The ramifications are going to uh, take quite a while. I mean, what a season it's been with all the Saracen stuff. And do you remember the Scotland threatening the legal challenge because their game uh, in the Rugby World Cup as well uh, potentially might have got cancelled and they'd get knocked out? I mean... My God, I, I will be glad that this season's put to one side after Bristol do the European and domestic double. So, boys, let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> well said, sir. Well, well said. said at the end. Uh, you're, you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean 
Amazon Music, Buzzsprout and many more platforms. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rating for the show. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're bearsbeyondgate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Now, um, it wouldn't be the Bears Beyond the Gate podcast if we went more than one or two editions without having to something to say about the um, the club shop and the the range and gear that are in the club shop. And this week on Thursday, um, the club unveiled its new travel wear range, um, all made by Umbro, um, modelled by quite a few of the players as we put out on Twitter the night before uh, at the Leicester game. Um, so let me come to the, uh, the, the king of sartorial elegance himself, Miles, the Duke, um, to, to get your views on the new range. Is it a thumbs up for you or a thumbs down? Or, a, or you, you undecided yet? Uh, I, I, I think I'm already decided. You know me, boys. I like to, I like to be a bit of a thorn in the crown of uh, Bristol Sports. Fantastic uh, wear, and on this occasion, I, I think yet again, I probably wouldn't be travelling to a, a Bognor Regis on a saga holiday in this travel wear, lads. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, despite maybe having a little bit of fleece lining for the elder generation of fans who might need a bit of warmth in the season. I mean, you know, I mean, I think we all agree our disapproval in ironed on print on tops goes no end, really. We like a bit of embroidery. We thought Umbro would be a big name, bringing us quality gear. It looks overpriced and, yeah, underbuilt. So <laughs> you probably expected nothing less, less from me. That's... <laughs> Pete, let me come to you now. Um, uh, just let me check. You got your face mask now, haven't you? That that arrived. I've got my face. I've got the face masks. That, yeah. that, that's good. Your, your thoughts then, and picking up that point from Miles. You know, we've got like a hooded fleece at sixty-five quid, a sweatshirt at fifty-five quid. Would, would you have expected an embroidered badge on those uh, garments for that kind of price? Well, you know, we got to go with the times. Maybe embroidery is a bit passe, and it's uh, integrated logo wear. Is, is the way forward. I've got to say, um, I'm slightly in disagreement with his highness. Um, you know, it wasn't, it was only a few weeks ago you were slagging off the kind of, uh, this sort of multicolored trim. And now, now they produce something that doesn't have any multicolored sort of trim and you're slagging that off as well. It's like, I don't know what you want. Um, to me, I'm looking at it. I'm actually looking at it on my iPad at the moment. I'm thinking Andy Oren in his little grey top and shorts looks quite smart. And it is travel wear. I mean, you know, you don't you're not supposed to wear a shirt and tie unless you're Miles or Jacob release Mog to go travelling in. I mean to me it looks it looks quite nice. I, I, I don't know I don't know what the problem is. And actually the black thing that Dayton Hughes is wearing, it's a kind of uh, what is it? It's like a sort of zip up. I quite like the look of that. Um, so put it's in like the main embroidery. Yeah, putting the embroidery thing to one side, which I think, you know, maybe maybe it's the 21st century. You know, we don't, we, we've got other processes that can stick logos on. I, I, I'm, I, maybe the price, perhaps, Tony, you, you, you know, right. But I mean, what do we expect? You're not expecting bargain basement when you buy merchandise from a, from a sports or a football or a rugby club, are you? So I think you have to put price to one side. And then, of course, I can't really tell on that because I've not actually felt the, the feel of the cotton 
in my hands. So I can't really judge the price. But I, I think you're a bit... Um, I know what Lee's going to say. So I thought I'd get in there quite early and say, for me... It's a thumbs up for once. Well, 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 Pete, thanks for that. And of course, you know, Miles, if it's not got a bit of ermine on it, he, he, he you know, doesn't tend to doesn't tend to wear it. Uh, Lee, you you probably go down the club shop more more than most of us. You you do like to um, buy buy some gear and support the club. Have, have you have you been down and actually seen it firsthand yet? First first question. No, I haven't, Tony. To be to be perfectly honest, all I've seen is is the uh, the online uh, shop stuff. So no, I I cannot say I've seen it with my own eyes yet. And, and your thoughts then? Um, you know, we did talk about what was the the training gear a bit jazzy with that 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 uh, pattern. Um, I mean, this certainly is more of a traditional plain kind of range. Something that I, personally I I do like. Um, I don't think you have to go over the top, but I, I I would like to have seen an embroidered badge on on a sweatshirt for fifty five quid. But I'm really interested to hear what your your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same camp as you. I I quite like the plain stuff. That you know, not too not too frilly. Um, and in your face, but I'll be honest with you, Tane. It's, these tops look like the sort of rubbish you could get from Primark for seven quid and just get a couple of Bears badges and stick on yourself. So, you know, it's a thumbs, it's a thumbs down from me, I'm afraid, fella. Well, I think, I think somebody did put on social media, apologies, I can't remember the name, but you could go to sort of like Sports Direct and get two Umbro blue sweatshirts for like 20 quid for two. Um, and the only difference is uh, there isn't a Bristol Bears badge. It may, may be a bit harsh, but it does seem that they they are quite expensive. And we know traditionally the club shop isn't one that, you know, by the time you get post-Christmas, they, they slash the prices. Um, they they, they are saying. very mean at uh, that kind of those offers, aren't they? Miles? I mean, I mean we've, we've had two sort of like, kit at stroke fashion wear releases now i mean we're all half expecting the kit for next year to sort of come out fairly soon aren't we and this just sets a slightly worrying trend towards quality and design for the number one kit release so i'm a little bit on edge i don't know how you feel guys feel about what shirt we're going to get from umbro well Maybe Umbro are just lulling us into a false sense of security, you know, and they might pull out the bag with um, with something really sparkling for the, um, the the new home and away shirts or the third shirt. So let's uh, let's live in hope. But like you said, I mean, we should be seeing some results of that at some point soon, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think I think we we hopefully we will see something towards the mid end of this month with the the kit actually being available. Uh, I understand that it will be available for the start of the new season to buy, but but hopefully we're going to see something within the next uh, two to three weeks. Well, um, gentlemen, that uh, that's our our regular fashion uh, slot on the podcast um, now. Before we go, uh, we need to talk about uh, predictions because obviously we had two games this week and uh, we all put our predictions in. Uh, Pleased to say we all uh, correctly predicted the right results. And uh, for the Leicester game, the person that came closest to the 40 points to three score 
was Lee with his 36-12 prediction. So that's that's a point for Lee, taking him up into uh, the the top of the the table there with three points now. Uh, And then for the game against uh, Irish, which was a 36-7 victory, the closest there and breaking his duck... Is Pete with a thirty <laughs> points to five prediction? So congratulations! What did I say, again, say that again. What thirty, was it? 30 points to five. So yeah. so very close indeed. So uh, that 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 leaves Lee on three points, myself and Miles on two points, and Pete on one point. Which brings me on. Of course, this time in the show now we would do um, our preview of the next game uh, and our predictions. Uh, but of course. We don't know who we are going to play. We know we have got a game next week, but until the sale thing is sorted out, um, we're not sure who we're going to play. Currently, we sit third in the table, and that would mean a a game against Wasps. But I'm now going to come for your predictions. I'd like you all to predict who we will be playing next week and what you think the score will be. So... uh, a little bit more difficult than normal. Let me come to Miles first. Who are we going to face in the semi-final and what will the score be? Okay, I mean, I'm a bit sceptical that still Sale are going to be safe to field a team uh, when they should all be isolated, (laughs) to be fair with you. And so, I, 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 goodness knows. Uh, so, I'm going to go with what we what we ended up today. The fact that we will probably face wasps away at the Rico, which is going to be extremely tough. I mean, look at their form. They have another one of the best forms since they've come back after lockdown. Their result today was massive. We have lost to them twice, haven't we? So I, oh dear, as as much, uh, can I can I can I sort of be a bit doom and gloom, and say that the wasps may squeeze a win, twenty one seventeen at home. Right. Okay. Let me come to Lee next. Who are going to face in the semi finals and what that score will be? Oh, I'm going to sound like Miles here. Um... I I think again we will be facing wasps, um, and I'll be quite honest. I think probably I I wouldn't want them out of out of anyone um, because they are the informed side, especially at the Rico. They're free scoring, and I hate saying it, but I got a feeling that our season might might be put to an end, um, put to the sword at, at wasps. Um, I'm going to go for. Uh, 32-24 defeat, unfortunately. And I hope, I dearly would forsake my place at the top of the uh, leaderboard to be wrong. Okay, Pete, your prediction, please. Well, firstly, I think that we will finish third. Um, I don't. I don't think what the, the debacle will come out, come out. So, therefore, I agree. We are going to be playing. Wasps at the Rico, and I'm going to say that we're going to lose relatively heavily because I think Pat will think, you know what, we've achieved what we wanted to achieve. We've got, we overachieved. We got into top four. We were aiming for top six. What he really has got his eyes on is the, the European Challenge Cup final. So I think he's going to put out a kind of 
half a side, and I think he's going to keep a few guns in in behind yeah, a bit of powder dry for the following weekend. So I don't think we actually I don't think we actually want to get to the final. Controversial, Ooh. but I what what are we what are we going to achieve if we win the Premiership? Um, somehow. I think it would be a bit of a... I don't think we're good enough yet to win it. I think Exeter deserve to win it. And I know that's not the way it works and all that sort of thing before you have a go at me. But I think we've... we've. I don't think Pat and his mates and his, his, his uh, or the, the team and his coaches, I think that we're going to be in a position to win the Premiership at, and, until at least another year or two. So my little controversial little thing here is that we may put out an average side, and I, and I don't want to dim, dis, I don't want to belittle any players that are picked in that. But you know what I mean? It's not going to be yeah. Any time tonight for a prediction, Pete. Win. <laughs> so, but, well, because I'm trying to think while I'm talking, I think we are going to lose thirty ten. Thirty points Ooh. to ten, and what did you say, Miles? Twenty one. Uh, I said 21-17 to, to Wasps. 21-17. Right, well, yeah, seeing see, see, see I was out of step with you guys last week, I'm going to continue with that. Um, I I think it will be Wasps, and I am going for a 20 points to 23 victory for Bristol Bears. And I think just to pick you up on your point, um, Pete, yeah, this this is well ahead of the schedule and where where we wanted to be, but if the opportunity is there to become champions of England uh, for the first time for this club, you are in a semi final and you have got a team that are playing the kind of rugby that we have. Surely yeah. you have got I'm to go for it. Surely it, you have got to go for it. And don't forget, we will have the luxury of having a week to prepare for this. Um, so I, I, I yeah. think it will be Wasps. I think we'll win 20 points to 23. Yeah. I think Exeter will host Bath. And I, I hope that um, it's a tough game down there. Um, I, I think it's great that we've avoided Exeter because if we should play them in the final, they too will have preceded that final with a major yeah. European competition. So there's no time off for them. They will have to be all guns blazing the week before the Premiership final. So I think I think that suits. So, um, well, that's it for this week, gentlemen. As ever, it's been a pleasure. Um, we'll be back next week to review um, the semi-final against whoever that might be. But we'll sign off by saying Bristol have achieved a semi-final playoff place for the first time in 13 years. What an achievement. What a season this has been. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next week. <laughs>